Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. All right, I'm going to share something with you tonight. I'm going to come down with you if I can do that. Thanks, Pastor Whaler. There's a day I was afraid to rip my britches if I'd been over. Now I think I pulled my back out. So <laughs> I didn't want either one to happen. So thank you, Pastor Will. Yes, thank you. So anyway, I'm going to share a few things with you tonight. I'm going to keep it very brief, very simple, Lord willing. Uh, matter of fact, I think simplicity is helpful. I think literal uh, is most powerful. And I think that we just need to sometimes take it for as it's been said, as it's been said. You know, I made a mention uh, Sunday morning uh, with Pastor Rusty here, and Gretchen and I have always known this of him in our 20-some year relationship. Uh, Pastor Rusty's always been a man of his word. If he said it, he'll do it. He just comes around and he does it and, and uh, comes up there. But, you know, ultimately, God is a man or woman spirit who's good to his word. Jesus is good to his word. Jesus is the word. And I just want to honor the one that through generations has been good to his word. I want to share with you just a couple of the first sayings to man by God and by Jesus. The first saints. And the very first one is, is a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture, but it's a little bit later in the passage of Scripture. God has already created the heavens and the earth. He's already uh, put man in order there. And then all of a sudden, he shows up. Man has fallen. Man has sinned. Man has fallen separate from God. And God walks up. And he literally says to Adam, you can find Genesis chapter 3, he literally says to, to Adam, he says, and Eve said, where are you? It's the first thing God ever said to man. Have you ever stopped and wondered where you are in response to God? God is concerned, interested in where you are. God is not aware of where you are. God is a great teacher. That's why he sent the good teacher. God is wanting you to be aware of where you are with God or where you are in relation to God. In church, is that enough? Where are you? Where are you? God wants us to take some responsibility for our proximity to him. Where are you? Could you imagine? Now, we still, some of us are still, are still so tone deaf. All we can hear is a preacher. We can't hear God. That's a grave condition to be in. But all you right now can hear is me, and you can't hear God. But God has a preacher saying to you the same thing he said to Adam, where are you? Where are you? You don't have to go build a tabernacle tent for God to say that to you. Adam and Eve were hiding. They weren't worshiping. They were in dire straits. But yet God said to them, where are you? That's a good question to keep before yourself. God's number one interest in man or woman is where are you? It's the first thing he said. He had fellowships with them, but the first recorded saying that we have is where are you? 
Let's go to the sayings of Jesus. We'll start in Matthew. Go with me in Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to share these stories, these sayings of Jesus. But there's one that is kind of out of sync with the rest of them. But you go to Matthew chapter 4. And while you're there, put your finger in there. And then we're going to turn over to Luke chapter 2. Because the first thing Jesus ever said to man recorded that we know of is that he said, why did you seek me? Why were you looking for me? So there's a real interest. And it actually can be a very deep and a very real question. Where are you? And then he said, why did you seek me? Have you ever wondered why you sought the Lord? It could help you prioritize. It could help you realize where you are as to why you're seeking. He said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Could the possibility be that the reason you're seeking Jesus is something you should have already known? Something you should have already been responsible for? Is there the possibility you're seeking him at one moment in life, but just yesterday you could have found him because you knew he's in the Bible? You knew he is in worship. You knew he is in the habits of praise. He said, why did you seek me? Did you not know? Were you not aware? How did you not know this? Is there the possibility that you already know what you need to know and what you should know because you've already had a spiritual encounter with God? Mary and Joseph knew things. There are things they knew. See, we forget that. We forget it like we forget what people give us for Christmas. They had things that are already spoken to them. Some of what you need to know is already in you. But so often we're looking for something new. We're looking for something that we've misplaced. We're looking for something that we've lost. That's really called a repentance. Returning to. Jesus had not left the city but they had gone on the journey. It reminds me of the story. And I started this this week. I did this teaching to the SOM students earlier in this week. It reminds me of the old story where the husband and wife got together and got a pickup truck and had a bench seat on it and a little gun rack in the back. And... She would slide over and sit right next to him. They'd ride down that road. Over the years, she started sliding further and further over and didn't slide as far to him. And one day, later in the years, he looked at her and said, do you remember when you used to sit right here? And she said, yeah. She said, do you remember when I used to sit right there? I said, yeah. I said, why are you way over there? He said, I never left. Those things he's put in your heart have not left. They are still there. Anything of God is eternal. Anything that he has spoken to you, whether that promise is 12 years old or 33 and a half years old, that promise is still as good today and will be on that day if he said it. That's something to hold on to. That's the faithfulness of God. So that's the first thing Jesus said. First thing he said was when he was 12 years old. 
I would not, probably not want to have recorded the first thing I said when I was 12. So now we go over into Matthew chapter 4. We'll get one out of chapter 3. Jesus is about to be baptized by John the Baptist. Okay, you have, where are you? Why are you seeking me? Did you not know? And so he is being baptized. We'll pick up verse uh, 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, speaking to John the Baptist, permit it to be so now. Isn't it almost as if it's, it's a moment? It's like a stake in the ground. It's like this is the moment. And I know that we have a tendency as Christians to start making a decision that we won't really make until we get way down there. But we start to make that decision. It's almost as if there's something we're not willing to not do by giving ourselves our all to what we need to do. He said, permit it now. Permit it. Uh, allow it now. Give it permission now. You need, and I need, to be mindful that we need to give ourselves permission and come in agreement with that to start to build the now moment in our life that's going to go into. There's something in the kingdom about timing. A kairos time. A moment where all of heaven lines up with, because all of what you have of earth lines up with all of heaven. We're waiting for all of heaven to happen so we can step into that and step out of whatever we're in when all of heaven is just waiting for you to step in. And all of heaven will come in alignment with that commitment that you make. Now moment. Now. But if you keep putting it off until if this happens, that happens, that happens, this happens, you'll never get there. That's fickle. That, that's unsettled. Some of you think you're that committed and that permitted. Be careful. Don't miss the now of the now. He said, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is laying a little bit of foundation right now. He says, we have to do this to fulfill everything that has been done. He's sealing one covenant. He is, he's sealing a covenant. And that covenant of 30 years of sinless life, obedient life, fulfilling all the law and all the prophets. Now we're getting ready to go into the manifesto. We're getting ready to go into fulfillment of all those prophecies and dreams and everything of unfolding and being manifested. But the reality is he has a package deal right now. Yeah. He, he, is, he is at the fulfilled moment of his life when he says we need to fulfill righteousness. And not one iota, and that would translate that to you and I, not one dot or one cross of a T was left out in Jesus. I don't know why we have a tendency to try to find shortcuts to get to the fullness. If you get there, only part of you gets there, you're not full. And you're not fulfilled. If you've only done part of what he's called you to do, there's not fulfillment. It's a dual combining word, fulfilled. Right? And, and it, you will not fill what you're called to fill if you're not full of what you're called to be full of. It's a mindset, it's a positioning, it's an equipping, a preparing moment in your life. I think we're starting to step into some moments like that in our life. And Jesus headed in his heart 
to fulfill righteousness. If God has called you to do something and you've only done a part of it, but you're already looking for something else, that's not fulfillment. If you're an employer, if you're an educator, and somebody did not fulfill their quota or their requirements or their lesson or their education, whatever it may be, in whatever field you're in, you sure enough would not want to go to the car dealership. Spencer called me this morning and said, hey, Dad, he said, he said which, which place do you use to get your oil changed? And I told him, I said, that's what I thought. He said, okay. So obviously he's going to get his oil changed. You would not want to go to the oil guy to change your oil and him not do the littlest thing like put the cap back on. You might have been filled up with oil but I guarantee you, by the time you're driving out, you're not fulfilled with oil. And it will not fulfill its accomplished task to get you where it needs to be. Many people are stranded and stuck where they are now because they have not been filled with the Spirit. Oh, you, no, you didn't get that. Your religion just bowed up on me. That's fine. That's fine. It's one of them Wednesday nights. Your religion's just like, oh, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That was 20 years ago, my friends. That was 30 years ago. You need to be being filled. Jesus was being filled. And if we would have been being filled, some of the stuff that got in us would not be in us. There are thoughts that have gotten into my life. There's attitudes that have gotten into my life. There's disagreements that got my life only because I wasn't walking in the spirit. I wasn't tending to my spirit. Are you following what I'm saying? Same goes with any one of us. This could be so liberating, but I still find the spirit of tone deafness in here. That some people can only hear the preacher and they can't hear what the spirit's saying to the church. And that's why Jesus says, he that has ear, let him hear. You know this teaching. You've heard it before. It's a problem. Sometimes we know it. It's not fresh enough and new enough. We have a problem in our church today, the church at large. People are trying to say things that people have never heard to keep people excited to follow them when really they need to be saying what people need to hear, not what they haven't heard. There's no need for some new gospel. He said, if there's another gospel, let it be accursed. But the reason Jesus said, he has an ear, let him hear. He said it after he said something. He knew they heard him in the natural, as you do right now. He said, you've got to hear this in your spiritual ear. You've got to get it in you. He had a longing desire to fulfill righteousness. Here's the next thing that he said. After he's being led by the Spirit, he's now baptized. The first things that he said after he was baptized, five sayings of Christ after he was baptized. Uh, Jesus is, there's a commonality to Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm sharing with you seven sayings, the saying of God, first saying to man, the saying of Jesus when he's 12 years old, and five more sayings. On the cross, Jesus had seven sayings. Jesus is noteworthy of his sayings. And so Jesus says in verse four, but he answered and said this to the devil. And he answered and said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I like the, the King James on this one. 
Every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So he's saying every word God has ever spoken, every word that God is speaking, and every word that God is going to speak. He said that is your lifeline. That is your manna. That is your spiritual nutrition. So it's not just all being filled with the Spirit, but it's having a relationship with the Word of God. And not only with the Word of God that he's speaking, but the Word of God that he's already spoken. Something about revival that most people do not understand is part of the aspect of revival is taking something that was old that has not been used or productive in a while and making it and bringing it back into production. Is there possibly something written in your journal? Is there possibly something underlined in your Bible? Is there possibly something in your, in your mom's Bible on the coffee table that needs to get back into production in your life that the word of God becomes the lamp again? The word of God becomes the cleanser again? The word of God becomes your friend again? The word of, you get what I'm saying? He said, it is written. So he took something old, some 2,000 to 3,000 years old, all the way back in Deuteronomy. Chapter 4, verse 4. God said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. My law, my prophets. Jesus came to fulfill all that and didn't say, I'm done. We have a tendency to get saved and think, I'm done. Say a little prayer. Have a little talk with Jesus. Prayer wheels are spinning and you think, I'm done. Or to have your 15-minute prayer time or to have your one-hour church service, whatever it may be, and think, I'm done. Jesus says, no, no, I'm keeping on what I've lived off of because that's the only thing I can live off of to keep on. He's pulling the written word out, some old word, and making a, a new word. He's saying this is still good in the New Testament as it was in the sealed off Old Testament. That's a hallelujah to me. That's a thank you, Jesus. To me. If you ever meet somebody, if you ever meet somebody that, that, that says the Old Testament is no good, they just told you Jesus is no good. They are so confused. They are so blinded. They are so deceived. Don't believe them. As a shepherd, I know some of you are saying, what is going on with you tonight? Sometimes you got to shear the sheep. Sometimes you got to clip the hoofs. You got you to get it back to where it is. Don't believe that it went out in the Old Testament. Just like, if you believe that, you'll believe that it went with the apostles too. He is the same yesterday. Today. The bread is as good today. And then he gets over, and this is where you get to in fulfillment. When you get filled with it, when you eat enough of that spiritual bread, you'll have something to feed. Is anyone hungry? Is anyone thirsty? Let him come eat of me. And what did he say right before that? His brother said, oh, if you're all that in a bag of chips, if you're everything you say you are, then why don't you go down there and tell them who you are? He said, it's not my time. It's not my time. He had a now moment with, with uh, John the Baptist. And then right after that, just a little bit after that, he goes down and he says, if anybody's hungry, if anybody's thirsty, you know what I had? He had enough to give. Yeah. He was full. Now he's fulfilling. Yeah. Now he's, he is now the bread of life. 
He realized what I am, they cannot live off of who he was. They can live off of who he is and who he is to come. Are you with me? Smile and act like you're in church. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He's not taking out that you aren't going to eat bread. He's, he's, he's tying in the natural. He knows that you're going to have to live in the flesh. He knows that you're going to have to live. But I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life of John, I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Translation, original translation says of the Son of God. Doesn't say, does not say faith in the Son of God. So what does that say? Jesus is inside of you. Don't tell me you can't do it. Don't tell him you can't do it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to learn how to nourish ourselves off of the one who's in us. And we need to also learn how to rely upon and realize we have access to the faith of Jesus. He said, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's go to the next saying of Jesus. Let me find him in verse 7. The devil's still tempting him, and I'm not going through the temptations of the devil right now, and he tempts you, he tempts me, he's in those places. Jesus said to him, it is written again. Now that word again, we, we discovered this some, some years ago, at least I did, and, and, and uh, have mentioned it numerous times, but the discovery that the word again doesn't always mean like repetitious. We have this mindset that, uh, uh, that to do something again is doing the same thing again, right? And just keep doing the same thing again. That's not what's being inferred here. The word again, when Jesus said, I will rise again, he had never risen before. He had never risen before. That word again means back to his original place. What he is saying, when I rise, I'll be back at the right hand of God the Father. I'll be right back where I came from. Now, notice here, Jesus is going through this situation. He says, it's written again. It's written again. And he's saying, again, I'm saying to you, I'm putting the word of God back in the highest order. He exalts his word even above his name. He's saying, "This, this is concrete. This is eternal. This is my nourishment. Right now, you're, you're trying to make me hungry, but I'm eating off of the bread of life. Yes. I'm nourishing my spirit so my spirit man will be stronger than my flesh man or my soul man. So he goes back to the word. He says, and he said it's written again. I think there's also an aspect that the word again does break down something again. I'm going to quote to you again like I did before, but I'm putting it back in its rightful position. I think he's also saying, listen, it's not only written in the Bible, it's written in my heart. I don't have a Bible with me, but it's written in my heart that I might not sin against God. Sometimes you do need to write it again and not just leave it in a Bible on the page, but write it in your heart and let the rhema, the logos word become rhema to you. This is God's word to me. This is between me and God. Remember back to the, the now. This could be the now in your life. This could be the, the stake in the ground. God's words are going to be the highest, have the highest priority in my life. He, he said, it is written again. 
You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You you should not test the Lord your God. You should not put your God to the test. Are you with me? And so go with me to, hold your finger there and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. I want you to see that they keep this as a standard in our Christian faith. In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, Paul is dealing with the church and he, I'll pick up in verse six. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, as it is written, He's doing the same thing. He's pulling it out. The people sat down to eat and to drink and, to, and rose up to play. Let us com- not commit some sexual immorality as some of them did. And in the day, 23,000 fell dead. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Is there the po- Again, I'm going to go back. This teaching started originating Monday morning. Okay? Started coming together on Monday morning. And, and I thought, well, maybe I should preach this. And then Tuesday in staff meeting, I started sharing it with the staff. And I said, I think I'm going to preach from this. I think I'm going to preach from this. God knows your moment where you are. He, he's setting up a now in your life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. You could have a renewed moment right now. But watch this. You're waiting for all of it to happen, and then you'll step into it. He's waiting for you to step into it, and then it happens. You come in alignment with him. Are you with me? So he says, do not tempt Christ, as they also tempted, and were destroyed by what? Interesting here, by serpents. Serpents. We recognize serpents as uh, demonic things. Uh, we also recognize serpents as a snake bite and Nehushtan that they can poison you and kill you there. But what did Moses lift up? He lifted up the rod with a snake on it, which is still the symbol today uh, to nursing, to, to, to the medical industry there, held it up as healing. And everybody was healed in that moment. I'm telling you, the cross of Jesus Christ with the bread of life hanging on it can nourish and heal anybody and everybody. Amen. He said, don't tempt him. That's the simple saying there. Don't tempt God. Don't test him. Don't put him to the test. Just because he puts you to the test does not mean that you can test him. Verse 10, next saying to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, watch this, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Even though he's speaking these things out, he's still standing on the written word of God. If you're going to plant yourself into a now situation, make sure you're standing on the rock, Christ Jesus, standing on the word of God that will not be moved, that is steadfast and sound. Are you with me? Find a word to stand on. But listen to what happens here. He said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Okay, so he has a little spiritual warfare here. And he says, away with you, Satan. Let me say this to you, that if you can't cast Satan away from you, don't think you're ready to cast him out of someone else. We don't really focus at that too often. 
and we're wanting to jump over and operate in these things that we haven't. I've said this for years. If you have an addiction to something, even if it's not what the other person's addicted to, you probably don't have enough authority to break that addiction for them. I use it this way. If you have an addiction to Diet Coke, you probably can't deliver somebody from Coke. Cain. Addiction's addiction. If you can't cast it away, you probably can't cast it out. Right? So Jesus is showing us in one of his early statements, it's important to cast Satan away. He said, away with you, Satan. And notice there's an exclamation point there. It's probably with a little bit more mm in there. Away with you, Satan. Away with you, Satan. Away with you, Satan. Listen, you can't poodle dog around and think you're going to pull weight. I mean, you can't chihuahua the devil and say, get out of. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's got to be some, some, some authority. Are you with me? <laughs> Thank you. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This is pretty interesting. He's putting a, a, a death sting on Satan. Remember who he was. He was the worshiper, the worship leader. He started to know what he could use that he couldn't use. He couldn't do. He knew what would agitate him, irritate him, and drive him away. He was being as wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. Worship never hurt anybody. Serving God never hurt anybody. But the devil. He said, you should worship the Lord your God. What he's saying to him, he said, you can't do what I can do. But that's what you should have done. And if you would have, you would have been where I am right now. I have authority over you. I have dominion over you. You do not have dominion over me. You don't. Your worship is your access. Your service is your proof. When you stop serving others, you're not serving God. When you are self-serving, you're not serving God. When you're expecting others to serve you, but you do not serve at the dimension which you expect others to serve you, you are not serving God. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you worship and serve. Going back to acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he'll direct your path. He said, this is the only way. This is it. Now, I don't know. I'm sure there's maybe one or two in here, maybe, maybe 20 or 30 in here. I don't know that I'm in that number, to be honest with you. That all and only that you've done is worship and serve God. But that's where he's trying to get us to. But somehow the church we live in today says that's, that's not expected of you. Of the church. Don't let the church become your God. Don't let your religion become your God. 
Don't let your theology become your God. Don't let your musicology become your God. What did he say? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, let me remind you of something. You should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because most people say at this time, I tried that in my own strength, and it didn't work. But I told you, greater is he that is in you. And you can be filled with the Spirit, who's a helper, who's a comforter, who brings strength, who enables you, right? He's a matter of fact, the, the Greek word said paracletes. Have you ever played football or soccer or baseball without a paracletes? Sliding everywhere, can't get traction. But that word paracletes means helper. It comes alongside you. Matter of fact, it means dunamos. The power that comes with the Holy Spirit means dunamos, which is where you get the, the word dynamite, explosive. If you ever heard somebody that said, man, when he comes off the line, when, they, when she comes out of the chutes, it's explosive. Holy Spirit will give you what you need. He'll help you with what you're doing. Let this be a now moment. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Let's go to the next, the next to the last saying. So Jesus starts his ministry, he's cruising around, and, and it's really interesting. I, I don't have time really to, uh, to go into it, but he starts going off of a prophecy. He's coming off of a prophecy, and we'll see this on, on Resurrection Weekend also, that Jesus, there's something about him fulfilling prophecy. I, I, I fellowship with some people. I have people and friends, Gretchen and I do, that, that they just literally, I mean, all they live off of is what they're reading, what they're preaching, and what's been prophesied to them. That's all they live off of. We mean live off of that. That's what they do. That's how they live. That's the way we should live. I know that's the way we try to live. Not what with them all the time, and I'm sure when they're with me, they're on their very best behavior. I get it. And so are we. But the exhortation is, let's do it our all. Well, what if Jesus decided not to fulfill a prophecy? There'd be a big gap in the history of God. There'd be something incomplete. We could not be complete in him if he had not completed all that was meant by him. The land of Zebulun, Naphtali, by the way of the sea, by the Jordan, I'm in verse 15, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light upon those who sat in the region of shadow of death, of light has dawned. And from that time, there's that time again, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say to them, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One of the very first things that Jesus says is repent. We kind of wait till it's one of the last things we hear him say. Come on, somebody. Because we get way over here. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time occurrence. It's not just a turning. You start bearing fruit. John the Baptist asked those brood of vipers, he said, he said who told you to repent? 
Where's the bearing of your fruit? There's no evidence in your life. He said, repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was introducing something to us that is, that is foreign to us. He said, the kingdom of heaven is here right now. It, it, it's here. But we have a different picture of what the kingdom of heaven must look like. It looks like a vessel who is fully surrendered, fully committed, filled, led, hungry, and feeding off of the bread. It looks like somebody, the son of God, became the son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. Now. 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 And the concerning matter is this. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, you're going to come up short. Now, I know what went to your mind. I know it exactly went to your mind. Is your Baptist, Presbyterian, uh, Lutheran, I was raised with a background. I didn't say anything about your salvation. I said nothing about your salvation. I said you're going to come up short. Short of what? Short of the glory. Short of praise for him. Short of honor for him. At least we ought to try. It's so cool when we hear a quoted thing on a Sunday night when some guy says, man, you know, uh, what would it be like if you knew you were going to be departing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? We're like, oh, it's so awesome, until the preacher preaches, the one who you're accountable to. It's interesting when the guest services come in, well, oh, my goodness, what they said, what they said, what they said. And we don't know really what they said to you or what you really interpreted. But the reality is you and I are living like he's coming tomorrow. We want to be given our all. Loving the Lord our God. Listen to me. Loving the Lord our God yeah. with some of our heart, some of our soul, the way we determine, and with all. With all. Amen? Amen. Last saying, you can stand to your feet. This saying is so appropriate. Verse 18, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee Saw two brothers. Can you feel sand in your toes right now? Jesus walking down Destin. Sand Destin. Now just picture that. I mean, these guys are out doing what they're raised to do. Saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fisher of men. They're fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Listen to this, verse 20. They immediately left their nets and followed him. He said, follow me. We'll be right there. Dad, we've always wanted to do this. Yeah. No, boom, they went. Here's the only point, of, they dropped it. What do you need to drop? To follow Jesus. Everybody, listen to me. Everybody has something they can drop to follow Jesus. But if you're pulling on the nets, you're holding on to the boat, you're enjoying the sand in your feet or the water at your knees, somewhere. Why is it so important? Because if you're holding on to something, you can't lay hold of anything else. I've got a problem. I have a problem, personal problem. When I get out of my truck 
don't know why it seems like half my world comes with me in my truck back home. I don't know why I can't just leave it here and put it there and all of it stay there. But there's, how many of y'all just have stuff to carry? Stuff. This wireless world that doesn't work without wires. I mean, have you yet woken up to go, it's just, it's not wireless. It's not, it's not. So I come in and then I, then I grab the dry cleaning bag and I, and I grab this and, I, and I'm going to, to my closet. I'm like, oh, that needs to go to the closet too. And next thing you know, I'm dropping things. What if I would have just dropped things instead of dropping things? What if I would have just dropped that and said, not right now, I'm going to carry this out and get it to where it needs. I won't be dropping things. Have you been dropping things? It's interesting you're doing what you could have done, but you're not doing it when it needs to be done. Dropping things. You can't have all of Jesus if half of you has your net. You follow what I'm saying? I don't know what you need to drop. Think about it. To follow Jesus, you're going to have to drop something. To lay hold of eternal things, you can't hold on to temporal things. Amen? Just bow your heads for a moment. Perhaps there's somewhere in your heart and in your mind right now that you need to make amends or agreement or acknowledgement to Jesus. In these seven sayings, where are you? Why did you seek me? Did you not know? Right now, let's commit and permit to righteousness to fulfill it. I'm going to live by the word of God. It is written. I'm not going to tempt him. I'm going to worship him and serve him. I'm going to love God and love others. This is my now moment. choose to follow him obey him I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today once again I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast it's very important that after you receive the word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart I'd like to do that with you I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the word of God have free course move swiftly in us and it would glorify God you know the word of God is a seed you can expect results out of it you can expect fruit out of it you can expect something to be produced again I'm so thankful that you joined us now allow me just a moment to pray with you Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.